want to remind everybody that after this lesson, our shepherds who are here today will be in the back if you want to talk to them regarding something that's touched your heart or something that you are uh, concerned about. They will be back there after the services. We're all familiar with the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's an exciting time. I've preached a number of series on the Beatitudes. But Jesus sits down with his disciples, people who are his disciples, people who have wanted to follow him. And even though he's invited us on his journey, really these are the first words that he really speaks concerning his teaching. And it says, Junior Church, says seek first here we go ah I love technology now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and he sat down this was not uncommon for people to sit down this was generally the way that they they taught and his disciples came to them and he began to teach them saying then we have the rest, of course, starting with the Beatitudes and going into the Sermon on the Mount. N.T. Wright has a translation, um, and, and it's kind of interesting. He words this a little differently. He says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the hillside and sat down. His disciples came to him. I love this. He took a deep breath and began his teaching. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, okay, here we go. He's ready to, to, to really get into his, his, his teaching, his word. And, and, and he takes this deep breath and he says, all right, let's do this. I'm going to tell them what's on my mind. We have so many things that occupy our minds today. Our attention span is short. I, I, I remember making videos uh, when I was in college admissions and the advertising guy says, I think it was either five or eight seconds. He says, you've got to, you've got to change the scene every five to eight seconds. We sit down in front of the television, and I'm bad about this. We, we, we click on the TV immediately. We don't leave things off. We don't leave things for silence. Or, and, and I've never been able to understand this, but, but and maybe some of our teens can can let me know about this but they study with the music just blaring i've never been able to understand how they could con concentrate maybe they can't maybe that's the secret but but we we have earbuds we have all kinds of devices we have things that can keep our minds just occupied when was the last time you cleared your mind and just thought about life in general. When was the last time that you just sat? I know what happens is people say, well, what are you doing? You're, you're just lazy. But when was the last time you did that? And I've noticed some things just in the last, well, several weeks. In very familiar passages. That I, and, and maybe you've seen these before. Boy, if you have, congratulations and thank you for being uh, aware and those kind of things. But these passages 
uh, are so familiar. And if you're like me, and, and I don't know if you are or not, but you tend to kind of fly through them. But he says, finally, brothers, this is in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, listen to what he says. Think about such things. Think about those things. When's the last time you thought, and I mean really thought about something that's true, or something that's noble, or something that's right, or pure, or lovely, or admirable, or praiseworthy? Instead, what happens is this verse reads to us like this. Whatever is inaccurate, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is wrong, whatever is seedy, whatever is ugly, whatever is deplorable, if anything is subpar or deplorable, think about those things. And that's where our mindset tends to be. And it needs to change. Another familiar verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And again, I've, I've read that passage a million times, it seems, and I've never seen by the renewing of our minds. He tells us, I want you to think differently. I want your whole attitude to be like Christ. In Romans chapter 8, we have wonderful, the beginning of it has this beautiful, beautiful passage. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit, who, uh, uh, who gives life, has set you free. And then we come to the end of Romans, and he says, we're more than conquerors in all these things. I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, the present or the future, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That famous passage in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that says that all things work together for those who love the Lord. And we miss out on a little verse in there that's tucked away, that says this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Can I change a word? Transformed into the image of his Son. When we take every thought captive, as Jeff read earlier, we become obedient to Jesus. When we take every captive, every thought, we become more and more like Jesus when we take it under control. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about us being a new creation. And Paul tells us so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. How does that happen? 
The only way that happens is by the renewing of our minds. We see people the way Jesus sees or saw people. How did Jesus see people? I'll give you a few examples. Jesus was compassionate. We must have compassionate minds. I'm, I'm not a very compassionate person. I, I, I tend to just blow, blow the whole thing off and, and say they should have known better. But Jesus was compassionate. There are two stories in the first chapter of Mark, and there, there are a lot of them, but in Mark chapter 1. The first, and you've heard me talk about it before, Jesus has gone to Galilee and called some apostles. And he, he's healed a demon-possessed man. And he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then there's a passage that I just, man, I just envision and I love. And it says, that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon possessed at the, and the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Did he have to do that? No, he didn't have to do that. Can you imagine the life that Jesus had where people just continued to come to him and he would heal them? In Matthew it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Who is harassing them? There's a, a beautiful song, and I... I I thought about putting all the verses I probably should have. I only put two on here. And I didn't make a slide out of it, so you're just going to have to listen. And even when the sun was set, the sick around thee, O Lord, the, they lay. And oh, what divers pains they met. And oh, with what joy they went away. Thy touch has still its ancient power. No word from thee can fruitless fall. Here in this solemn evening hour, and in thy mercy, heal us all. There's a leper who comes to Jesus. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the Bible says that Jesus was indignant. Was he indignant because the guy came to him with his disease? No, he was not indignant because of that. He was indignant because there was this pain and this suffering in the world. And it's kind of interesting. The guy says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus kind of, if I'm willing. And he reaches out and he touches him. I mentioned this several weeks ago. I, I don't know. I just can't see Jesus reaching out and touching. You see, because these lepers were, were not even part of the society that they lived in. They had to stay away. They had to call out to people. And, and they didn't have anybody touch them. And so in all of these years, this leper has not been touched. And our concept is Jesus just reaches out and puts his hand and I can't see that. I see Jesus grabbing the man. Why did he do that? Why did he reach out like that? I tell you why. It's because 
Jesus had compassion. And if we're going to be in the image of Jesus, then we need to be compassionate people. Instead of blowing off people who are sick and struggling, we can be compassionate. And compassion is not just feeling sorry. Compassion is moving to action. But number two, he, he loved those who just didn't get it. In Mark chapter 10 is a great story. Starting in verse 17, and as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I may be reading too much into this, but he says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to receive this without really not doing anything? Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false witness. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus loved him. And I don't think it was one of those kind of things where he said, poor guy. Jesus looked at him and loved him and thought, he needs to be in the kingdom. Nicodemus came by night. A member of the Sanhedrin, he had to come at night because if he had come at any other time, more than likely he would have been kicked out of the, out of the Sanhedrin. But it's right after this, right after Nicodemus comes and he says, you know, Jesus tells him, you've got to be born again. He says, how in the world can I be born again? It's right after this we have John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Nicodemus struggled with that. He wanted to understand and he wanted to believe what Jesus had to say, but he struggled with it. Jesus still loved the man. What about the woman at the well in Samaria? What about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? And even in his death, as he hung on a cross, he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And before we start being judgmental and rude and unforgiving, we, remit, we need to remember how Jesus loved people. But thirdly, he thought of others first. Jesus was praying in the garden. And this was before his crucifixion, before his death. And he says, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, if we're going to conform our minds into that of Jesus' mind, we're going to have to realize that 
It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And later he prays, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. I could give you example after example of this. But if we block out the world, we block out what the world tries to show us. If we come to realize that it's not our way that needs to be followed, if we submit to God and pray that His will is done, then we will have taken every thought captive. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we demand what, what we want. Help us to be compassionate. Help us to, to be kind to those who just don't get it. And Father, help us to realize that it's not about us. We're grateful. We're thankful for what you do and what you've given to all of us. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.